I start at page 103. Care of the aged. The responsibility for care of the aged is gradually shifting to the state. Care of the aged represents a heavy burden on the national economy. However much a state is ready to spend, it can never buy them peace and contentment. The most terrible feeling of having been rejected, left out and abandoned, and the most painful realization of a growing void of loneliness within are problems beyond the reach of many to resolve. To consider that a comparatively remote relative would ever be taken care of by the rest of the family has become almost impossible to imagine. In such societies, the need for homes for the aged grows with the passage of time. Yet, it is not always possible for a state to apportion enough money to provide for them even the minimum requirements of a decent life. Physical ailments are much easier to cure or alleviate, but the deep psychological traumas from which a, a considerable number of elderly members of modern societies are suffering are far more difficult to treat. In predominantly Muslim countries, however much values may have deteriorated, this condition, which prevails in the rest of a contemporary society, is unthinkable. It is considered a disgrace and dishonor for the old and aged to be treated with such disrespect and callousness. It is a matter of shame for most Muslims to hand over the, responsibility for the responsibilities of elderly relatives to the state, even if the state is willing to look after them. As such, the role of a Muslim woman amidst her home and family is far from over with the coming of age of her children. She remains deeply bonded to the past as well as to the future. It is her kind and humane concern, and her innate ability to look after those who stand in need of care, which comes to the rescue of the older members of society. They remain as precious and respected as before, and continue to be integral members of the family. The mother plays a major part in looking after them and providing them with her company, not as drudgery and tedium, but as a live natural expression of human kinship. Thus, when she grows older, she can rest assured that such a society will not eject her nor leave her abandoned as a relic of the past. Of course, there are exceptions in every society, and there are old remnants of the past considered as tiresome burdens in some Muslim families living under the influences of the modern trends. But on the whole, Muslim societies are relatively free of homes for abandoned parents, unlike other societies. This reminds me of a joke, which may make some people laugh, yet move some others to tears. Once a child observed, with much pain and unease, the ill treatment of his grandfather at the hands of his father. He was gradually transferred from a well-provided and comfortable main bedroom to smaller and less convenient accommodation until it was finally decided to remove the grandfather to the servants' quarters. During an exceptionally severe winter, the grandfather complained of his room being too chilly and his quilt being too thin to make him feel warm and comfortable. The father started looking for an extra blanket from a stock of old, useless rags. Observing this, the child turned to his father and requested, Please do not give all the rags to grandpa. Keep some for me so that I may be able to give them to you when you grow old. In this innocent expression of a child's displeasure is concentrated all the agony of the older generation in modern times. In Muslim societies, 
It is, a rare, it is as rare to find such exceptions as it is rare and becoming more rare to find exceptions in modern societies amongst relatives in their treatment of the old. Muslims are taught, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهُ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا إِمَّا يَبْلُغَنَّ عِنْدَكَ الْكِبَرَ أَحَدُهُمَا أَوْ كِلَاهُمَا فَلَا تَكُلْ لَهُمَا أُفْ وَلَا تَنْهَرُهُمَا وَكُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا وَاقْفِضْ لَهُمَا جَنَاحَ الظُّلِّ مِنَ الرَّحْمَةِ وَكُلْ رَبِّ رُحَمْهُمَا كَمَا رَبَّيَانِي صَغِيرًا Thy Lord has commanded, Worship none but him, and show kindness to parents. If one of them or both of them attain old age with thee, never say unto them any word depressive, never say unto them any word expressive of disgust, nor reproach them, but always address them with excellent speech, and lower to them the wing of humility out of tenderness, and say, My Lord, have mercy on them, even as they nourished me when I was a little child. These verses are the most significant of this, of, on this subject. After the unity of God, human beings should, through their attitude of love, affection, and kindness, give priority over all other things to their parents who have reached an old and difficult age. Further, the verses speak of situations when the behavior of one or both of the parents becomes extremely trying and sometimes offensive. In response to that, not even a mild expression of disgust or disapproval should pass one's lips. On the contrary, they should be treated with profound respect. The emphasis on the most excellent relationship between one generation and another guarantees that no generation gaps appear. Such gaps always interrupt the transmission of traditional moral values. Islamic social philosophy, therefore, teaches that no generation should permit a gap to appear between it and the outgoing generation, between it and the outgoing generation, and between it and the future generation. Generation gaps are totally alien to Islam. As stated earlier, the family concept in Islam is not limited to members of a single home. The following verse instructs Muslims to spend not only on their parents, but also their kith and kin, who are mentioned next to parents in order of preference, so that their sense of dignity is not injured and mutual love is promoted. وَاعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا وَبِذِ الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى وَالْمَسَاكِينِ وَالْجَارِ ذِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْجَارِ الْجُنُبِ وَالصَّاحِبِ بِالْجَنْبِ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ وَمَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ مَنْ كَانَ مُخْتَالًا فَخُورًا Worship Allah and associate not with him and show kindness to parents and to kindred, orphans, the needy and to the neighbor who is a kinsman and the neighbor who is a stranger and the companion by your side and the wayfarer and those who are under your authority. Surely, Allah loves not the arrogant and the boastful. The Holy Quran declares that you must be mindful of kindness to your parents. If contemporary society learns the lesson from these injunctions, many problems which it faces today and which represent a blemish on an advanced society would cease to exist. No homes for the aged would be needed except for some aged people who, unfortunately, have no close relative to look after them. But in an Islamic society, the love between parents and children is so repeatedly emphasized that it is impossible for a child to abandon his parents when they grow old for the sake of his or her own pleasure.
the future generation. As for the future generation, the Holy Quran educates society in a unique way. It teaches that to achieve the best of relationships between you and your children, it is highly essential that the relationships between you and your wife should be also be excellent. In this regard, the verse cited earlier, which refers to guardians, Qawwamun, lays a very heavy responsibility on the shoulders of a husband. If his conduct is not conducive to the creation of an ideal atmosphere for a healthy family life, he would have failed in his responsibility to act as a guardian, which is Qawwam. It should be remembered that the best example of Qawwam was the holy founder وسلم, of Islam himself. He was neither harsh nor dictatorial nor in any way offensive or over-assertive in relation to his family. To keep them on the right path was a grave responsibility, but the way that he discharged this responsibility serves as an excellent living example for all times to come, for all those who want to investigate and comprehend the real meaning of the epithet Qawwam. In a famous tradition, Abu Hurairah relates that the Holy Prophet said, the most perfect of believers in the matter of faith is he whose behavior is best. And the best of, uh, of, of you are those who behave best towards their wives. If the parents really want their children to grow up into members of a righteous society, they should remember that mutual relationships between husbands and wives are going to play an important role in the making or breaking of the character of their children. The Holy Quran teaches, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَشْهَدُونَ الزُّورِ وَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِاللَّغْوِ مَرُّوا كِرَامًا وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِّرُوا بِآيَاتِ رَبِّهِمْ لَمْ يَخِرُوا عَلَيْهَا صُمًّا وَعُمْيَانًا وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا هَبْلَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنٍ وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا Those who bear not false witness, and when they pass by anything vain, they pass by with dignity. And those who, when they are reminded of a sign of their Lord, fall not down there at death and blind. And those who say, Our Lord, grant us of our wives and children the, the light of our eyes and make us a model for the righteous. This prayer possesses a unique charm and is filled with profound wisdom. Both partners in marriage are taught to pray for each other and their children that God may always provide them deep satisfaction and happiness from one another as well as from their children and to make their children the forerunners and leaders of a God-fearing, righteous generation. It only takes one to apply this teaching to oneself to fully realize the significance of this verse. When you desire something vaguely, it may not influence your conduct significantly, but when you pray for it earnestly, then your conduct is bound to be influenced by that prayer. To illustrate this further, there are many amongst us who desire to be truthful, but seldom is this desire translated into practice. Those who earnestly pray to God that he should make them become truthful are influenced far more in their conduct by their prayer than those merely wishing for something vague. A genuine effort is made in molding one's behavior for the better. A person would be acting very oddly indeed after such a prayer if he treats his wife and children in a manner inconsistent with the prayer. 
turning exclusively to the younger generation and their rights and obligations, the Holy Quran admonishes, Ya O ye who believe, fear Allah and let every soul look to what it sends forth for the morrow. And fear Allah. Verily, Allah is well aware of what you do. The Holy Quran warns the parents that if they fail to discharge their responsibility due to their offspring and leave behind a generation which is not beyond censure in its conduct, then the parents will be held answerable before God. Again, the parents are warned not to murder their own children in the sense that the parents become instrumental and responsible in some way in destroying their character. Not only one's own children, but that the younger generation as a whole must be treated with love, kindness, and respect is the strong word of advice given by the Holy Prophet of Islam. Akrimu awladakum. Always be kind to your children. One cannot help observing that this is exactly what the contemporary world needs today. There is a serious debate going on in Britain nowadays regarding possible legislation which would make parents vicariously responsible in the eyes of the law for crimes committed by their children and thus as delinquents dealt with by juvenile courts. It is strongly felt that had the parents discharged their responsibility to discipline their children more seriously, there would be much less crime seen in the streets of Great Britain. But the question is how far punitive and restrictive measures can improve the quality of society when there is no background of religious ethics at work in every sphere of life. Wistful, vain pursuits discouraged. The Holy Quran goes on developing this subject of society by declaring, And who shun all that which is vain? Those who are wise shun the waste of their energies in useless and meaningless pursuits. To find time for light entertainment is neither bad nor prohibited in Islam. But if the entertainment begins to exert a negative influence on society as a whole, it is certainly not recommended. Moreover, if instead of providing a genuine outlet for the stresses of life, entertainment becomes an objective itself in itself, it would be condemned as love, vain and wasteful, in the Quranic terminology. When entertainment begins to interfere in the daily pursuits of life, or takes a toll upon one's time, which could be better spent otherwise, it too would be classified as vain, according to the Arabic word lag. Television has done immense good for society, but children sit all day long with their eyes glued to the box. After returning from work, men continue to sit before the screen no matter what the TV program might be. In doing so, they neglect their responsibilities to their children, wives, friends, and society as a whole. TV has indeed become a modern curse. So much time is wasted in this age in watching television that it will be rather difficult and challenging for one to correctly weigh its pros and cons. But that is not all. By screening films on crime, TV often presents the image of crime in a manner 
which, instead of creating a sense of repulsion in the hearts of children, achieves the opposite. Even in programs exclusive for children, it is not uncommon to find popular characters causing mischief by devising ingenious pranks that play havoc with the peace at home. However amusing and entertaining such programs may be, they are certainly not educational. No doubt, many a difficult child is born out of watching such programs. The child grows with the potential of becoming a would-be criminal. In the programs for adults, innovative methods of committing crime are inadvertently taught. A leisurely life of fun and playfulness portraying what life should be is painted so rosily that it leaves a false impression on the mind. Alas, little do they realize the distance between fantasy and realities and between what should be and what is. The pursuit of vain pleasures forbidden in the Holy Quran is not that minor or inconsequential as most may consider it to be. This and many other modes of entertainment play an important role in the creation of an atmosphere where the level of frustration continues to rise. One wonders when the point of saturation may be reached. Bridling of desires. The Holy Quran requires the bridling of desires. Envy may not be permitted to give birth to inordinate, insatiable desires. This teaching contains a very important message regarding discipline and the trimming of desires. Islam, of course, is not a religion of escapism or denial by monasticism or asceticism, whereby man is required to negate all his natural desires to achieve nirvana or deliverance from material bondage. According to the philosophy of nirvana, it is the desires which bind us to matter and enslave us to materialism. The simple answer is to deny oneself all desires. Islam rejects this philosophy as man-made, unnatural, and inadequate to resolve problems. The concept of nirvana is closer to death than peace. Islam has a completely different solution to offer. To kill desires is no answer, according to Islam, to solve the riddle of life. Among many measures suggested to create social peace is the admonition that man should discipline and curtail his desires and keep them in check. Otherwise, it would be impossible for any man to achieve peace through the satiation of desire. As stated earlier, desires always run faster than one can pursue them. Small as these measures may appear, they are potentially very effective and important. For instance, the Holy Quran states, وَلَا تَمُدَّنَّ عَيْنَيْكَ إِلَى مَا مَتَّعْنَا بِهِ أَزْوَاجًا مِّنْهُمْ زَهْرَةَ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا لِنَفْتِنَهُمْ فِيهِ وَرِسْكُ رَبِّكَ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى Strain not thy eyes after what we have bestowed on some classes of them to enjoy for a short time the splendor of the present world, that we may try them thereby. And the provision of thy Lord is better and more lasting. The Holy Quran prohibits thinking ill of others, or to be nosy and inquisitive, or to backbite. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu jitanibu kathiran min al-dhan, inna ba'd al-dhanni ithmun, wala tajassasu, wala yaktab ba'dukum ba'dha. 
ayuhibbu ahadukum an ya'kula lahma ahihi maytan fakarihtumuhu wattaqullaha inna allaha tawwabur rahim o ye who believe avoid much suspicion for suspicion in some cases is a sin and spy not on one another neither backbite one another would any of you like to eat the flesh of his dead brother certainly you would loathe it and fear allah surely allah is oft, is oft returning with compassion and is merciful building of trusts and inviolability of trusts and treaties in the islamic society the building of trust plays a very important role the inviolability of trusts and international treaties is considered fundamental to the concept of unity in islamic society believers are described in the holy quran as walladhina hum li amanatihim wa ahdihim ra'un who are watchful of their trusts and their covenants eradication of evil a collective responsibility the responsibility of educating people is not entrusted to governments but collectively to the people themselves to do good deeds and to abstain from evil in more developed societies it is the job of of refuse collectors to gather unwanted waste from homes and streets for disposal in poorer countries the housewives simply throw away the junk and refuse onto the streets till the streets become littered with filth and are no longer fit as passageways of course it is the responsibility of the inmates to clean their houses but there has to be some system of keeping the streets and pathways clean it is tragic that though the west has learned the importance of this social responsibility of keeping places frequented by the public clean it has yet to recognize the dire need of acquiring the responsibility to purge society from the criminal human waste which daily spills over from homes to streets and public places islam treats this question more comprehensively the primary stress is on the elders of the family to minimize the social waste so that more goodness than evil is contributed towards society secondly islam fixes the responsibility on society to launch individually as well as collectively a holy war against evil not with the help of the sword and restrictive legislation but more so by constant admonition advice and wise counsel admonition and persuasion with patience is the best instrument according to the holy quran to cleanse the society of social evils wal takum minkum ummatun yad'una ila al-khair wa ya'muruna bil-ma'ruf wa yanhawna 'anil munkar wa ulaika hum al-muflihun let there be among you a body of men who are always devoted to admonishing people to do good and who invite to goodness and enjoin equity and dissuade people from indulging in evil and it is they who shall prosper i.e such societies shall survive it should not be inferred from the aforementioned verse that the islamic approach of the maintenance of public health and well-being is entirely non-governmental and the state has no part to play in it of course the areas of legislation and this application are the prerogatives of states
But what I have been trying to emphasize is merely the fact that, according to Islam, the state machinery alone is inadequate to suppress, discourage, or minimize crime. Once criminal tendencies are permitted to grow and flourish in homes and societies in general, the best a government can do is to wipe out the symptoms from time to time. The root cause of evil is far too deep for the long arm of the law to reach. It is the primary job of families, religious leaders, and leaders of public opinion in every society to eradicate evil. Keeping this and many other similar verses in view, the Holy Prophet once declared that the people before you came to a tragic end because they disobeyed authority and were given to transgression. They did not restrain one another from the iniquity that they committed. Then he continued, Indeed, by Allah, you must enjoy good and forbid evil. Seize the hand of the wrongdoer and persuade him to act, to act justly. Establish him firmly on the right, else Allah will involve the hearts of some of you with the hearts of others and will curse you as he cursed them. According to the Prophet ﷺ, one of the more serious signs of decline of a people is that they lose the courage to show their displeasure at the public display of indecency and misconduct. The Holy Prophet ﷺ draws the parallel between such a society and travelers on a boat in the following tradition. Norman bin Bashir relates that the Holy Prophet said, The case of those who observe the limits set by Allah and those who are careless about them is like passengers on a ship who cast lots to determine who should occupy the upper deck and who should be on the lower deck and dispose of themselves accordingly. Those who were on the lower deck passed through those of the upper deck whenever they had to fetch water. So, they said to the occupants of the upper deck, If we were to bore a hole through our path, we would not then have to trouble you. Now, if the occupants of the upper deck were to leave the others to carry out their design, they would all perish together. But if they were to stop them from carrying it out, they would all be saved. I am afraid this parable applies to a large degree to the contemporary societies of the world. I stop at page 117.